and welcome to the RPS Presscast. Today I'm talking to Sandra Gidley, the RPS President. Hi Sandra. Hi. So Sandra, you've had experience working both in politics and in pharmacy. What would you say is the biggest difference between the two? Well, there's quite a lot of difference in the attitude towards women, but uh, I suppose the biggest difference overall is that everybody likes pharmacists and nobody likes politicians. But when it comes to women, politics is very much a man's world, particularly at the Westminster Mm -hmm. level. There are a lot more women there now, but certainly it was very much in a minority when I was there. And you almost had to act like a man to get on, which was really strange. And one of my male colleagues thought he was complimenting me when he described me as one of the boys. I wasn't sure it was such a compliment, Mm -hmm. although it was nice to feel included. With the world of pharmacy... There are a lot more women in pharmacy. And my frustration, I think, is that although it's a heavily female-dominated profession, unlike politics, what you don't see is women at the very top levels. So we're not doing too badly at the RPS because we now have two board chairs and a a president who's female. But that's at the elected level. When I look around at the national bodies, unfortunately, there are very few women. I think there's only Layla at AIM who is at that very, very senior level Mm. and given the expertise of a lot of the women I know I'm not trying to denigrate the men in any way but um, I do think that I do wonder sometimes if women are actually aiming for the top Mm. because uh, having seen shortlists for some of these roles not nearly as many women apply as men and there are some very good women out there so why are they not applying for top jobs? Why do you think that is? I really don't know. I sometimes think it might come down to a lack of confidence because I did a lot of work with female parliamentary candidates. And the one really frustrating thing was we had these incredible women, multi-talented, but wouldn't put something down on their CV because they didn't think it was quite good Mm -hmm. enough. They didn't sell themselves. They didn't really appreciate how good they were. And once they got over the hurdle of talking up the CV Mm -hmm. rather than talking it down or leaving things out which are actually quite important that made a big difference and it made a big difference to their self-confidence and what we used to find was that women look at a job description and they would say "Hmm, well I can't do that and I can't do that Mm -hmm. so it's not worth me applying and the same barrier doesn't seem to be in place for men and I don't know why this is but it's something I've found in my work with women over the years. And as a profession how do you think we can support women in empowering them to go for those leadership roles? I think by providing them with some simple tools and supports. I know when I was starting out in politics, what helped me immensely were there were actually women only sessions but that mm. wasn't the be all and end all but sessions which gave me some of that help and advice and support right at the outset and helped set me on the right track so hopefully we can be doing that for mm. um, some of the female leaders of the profession in the future yes I hope so just kind of going back to a point that you made about being one of the boys in politics um, have you ever felt the pressure to feel manly <laughs> um, or to behave manly, to be seen as a credible leader? Uh, well, I, I hope not, but it's very interesting, the language around uh, male and female behaviours. If a man rushes out of a meeting, he storms out. If a woman rushes out of a meeting, she flounces mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it helps to emulate male behaviours. And I, I did sort of catch myself once lying back, lolling in my seat, not quite like Jacob <laughs> Rees-Mogg, um, in the House of Commons going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, ah, Sandra, stop it. That's <laughs> not why you're here. So, so no. Um, one of the things we found when we were 
were helping develop some of our female candidates, we were almost trying to teach them to be like men mm-hmm. or be a bit more like men. And then we realised that's the wrong approach because actually, although there's a, a huge sort of skill set that is mixed, there are some behaviours that are, are probably more associated with men and some with women. And actually, in any functioning organisation, mm-hmm. you need both and you need to value both and those approaches. And actually, men and women can learn from each other, which is a big thing yeah, I've found. Mm-hmm. And also having the support of men has been very useful mm-hmm. over the years as well. And some of the biggest advocates for women in Parliament were actually some male MPs who did an awful amount of work uh, of no benefit to them whatsoever. Mm. And um, I would hope we would have something similar in pharmacy. So have you ever had any experience of men helping you um, in your pharmacy profession? Because obviously you've spoken about politics, there being people to support you both. Have you had experience with that in your pharmacy career? Um, a little bit, but not very overtly. Mm. Um, I've had uh, support from senior managers and things like that. Mm. But sometimes women don't always support yeah. women, and I think that's an important point. And particularly women of my generation, sometimes it's, well, I didn't have all this help and uh, all of this easy childcare and all mm. the rest of it, and so I don't see why I should make it easy for anybody else. That's a totally unhelpful attitude. Mm. I'm sure we won't have anybody at the day who will do that, but I do sometimes come across that. And it's a bit bitter and twisted, really. Mm. And I think there are a generation of women, probably around my, my age, who have encountered barriers along the way and do think their life might have been different. Mm-hmm. But there's no point being bitter and twisted about it. No. Um, you, you get over it. I don't think we've got true equality now, but I think it is much easier for today's generations of women coming through than certainly when I started. Yeah. I don't think there's one style of leader as a woman, and I think it's finding your style of yeah. leader, but as a woman, mm-hmm. which is really, really important. And your style of leadership can change over the years. I know I did a... A survey when I was first elected I was a very new MP mm. and my leadership style was very much a reflection of my um, pharmacy life mm. which was coaching nurturing and all the rest of it and I think those who know me more latterly would probably see a slightly different style. So in your pharmacy career how have you balanced being you know a mum and also being a leader because some people really struggle with that? Well, I've I compromised hugely. When I had my first baby, my mother and my mother-in-law made it very clear that I was not expected to work. Then mm. I shouldn't even be considering it. So I stayed at home for a while and went absolutely stir-crazy. Um, I then realised for the sake of my sanity, it wasn't about having a job, mm-hmm. but I did need to go out and keep my skills up to date and just be me, just mm-hmm. have some me time, even if it was being me as a pharmacist. So I did that. And it wasn't easy in those days because nurseries weren't around. You had mm-hmm. to find a childminder you liked. They didn't like the pharmacy hours even then. Um, so there were those practical obstacles. But I also felt quite strongly that if you have children, you need to spend, it's nice to spend yeah. some time with them when they're growing up in those early years. 
And financially, we were all able to do that. Mm. So I compromised and I did some locum work. But I also got bored, you know, with children Mm. and just doing locum work. So I trained as a National Childbirth Trust teacher Mm. and taught childbirth classes at home. So I've always looked for something new and a new challenge Mm. to fill my time. That may not have been furthering my career as a leader, but some of those skills I learned, small group work, facilitating, a whole load of stuff about presenting, probably helped me later on in my career. Wow, that's a really good way of um, doing something different. Yeah, so I never really thought of myself as a a leader as such. Mm. And um, even when I was a member of Parliament, somebody referred to me as a leader. And I thought, oh, I suppose I am really, because that's not how I see myself. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I suppose now as president of the society... That is a role that very much looks like a a leader. Mm. So I I still have a natural tendency to um, look around and see what others are doing. And So within your pharmacy career, were you supported with having a work-life balance? That's an interesting one because I realised I started work for Safeway years Mm. ago and I was a relief between two stores. And I was getting frustrated because neither had managers. And I realised I could do so much more if I was in control. I've always had a slight control uh, freakery. And the store manager was very keen for me. And I said, I don't want to work full time, but would you consider 32 hours a week? And the store manager said, well, I'm happy to give it a go, Sandra. But I did have pushback from the the pharmacy team, my area manager at the time. It's like, we don't do it less than full time. So I said, well, please, can we try it? Mm-hmm. Try it for a three-month period, and then we'll see what everybody thinks. And like a wuss at the time, because I was so keen to get this done, I said, oh, and I'll do it for no extra salary mm-hmm. for um, three months. I probably wouldn't do that today. And after the three months, the first question they both asked when I went in to discuss it was, well, I hope you're going to continue. And then that paved the way other women did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So... It wasn't unremitting help. There were hurdles, but actually by offering that compromise, let's try it, see if it works. Mm. That was a good way to actually get what I wanted, but it also worked for the company as well. So do you think cultural norms about working and having children has shifted in your work lifetime? Definitely. It's a lot easier, I think, because Mm. um, lots more places have crashes. Childcare is so much better. But it's not just about that because there's still attitudes in the workplace which are sometimes unhelpful and I was hoping that my daughter wouldn't have to be fighting the same battles I was in. She had a baby a few years ago, uh, just about to start school and was asked when she went back to work after a couple of years, when are you ready to come off the mummy track? Now she hadn't even realised she'd mm. been on a mummy track mm. but there was a, there's sometimes an unhelpful perception that just because somebody's had a baby mm. that their brain has been adult in some way. Sometimes feels like that but actually you've still got a capable woman who wants to work well. And actually, we ought to be encouraging men to take time off work yeah. to look after children too. And until we get to a period where it's okay for a man to take the time off and a woman mm-hmm. to take the time off, then we haven't quite reached equality. And one final question. You've had a wonderful career. How have you built your confidence and resilience over those years? If you knew me at the age of 21, you would not recognise me as the person you see today. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. Mm -hmm. I was very timid and I literally have had to push myself out of my comfort zone one step at a time. And what's made you do that? Boredom. (laughs) That's a good enough answer. (laughs) 
No, I've always, that sounds a trite answer, but I've always wanted a new challenge. I've had to make myself do it. Mm. I'm not one of nature's extroverts. Lots of people think I am Mm. because they assume that with the roles I have, that I am. But it's actually okay to like time to yourself and not Mm. always be out Mm. networking and changing the world as well. But if you want new challenges you have to go for it and you have to push yourself and make yourself do it but start with a small challenge that's only a bit uncomfortable and then it gets easier to take bigger steps brilliant that's great advice thank you sandra thank you been wonderful thank you